What's going on, everyone? I know for the most part, everyone is gearing up for turkey season. We just had Youth Weekend south of State Road 70 this past weekend, and we'll have Youth Weekend north of 70 very shortly. And then the chase is on here in Florida. But this week, we're talking Ducks Unlimited. You don't have to be a duck hunter to have heard of Ducks Unlimited. Uh, Much like the National Wild Turkey Federation, they are a well-known powerhouse for conservation in their realm, with many local chapters doing awesome things in their own communities, much like the awesome youth hunt put on by one of our local chapters here in in our neck of the woods. This week, we're sitting down with Vincent Phelps, the president-elect of the Villages Chapter of Ducks Unlimited, to hear about how he came to love the sport what has driven him to want to take the role of chapter president and what they have in store for the 24-25 year. It's easy to throw that climber on the shelf this time of year and lay down your bow or rifle for a shotgun and some 3.5-inch number 5s, but don't forget, once turkey season uh, is done, uh, to hop on over to the Hasmore Outdoor Products website and pick up a tree stand trickout kit for yourself before next season, and don't forget to use the code UPO15 at checkout for 15% off your order. With the Mud Bug Bash fast approaching, tickets are flying out the door. Make sure you pre-register for the Poker Run uh, with your everyday email, and we'll make sure you get your free year of Spartan Forge to help you navigate your way through your next outdoor adventure. In the meantime, though, you need to slide down to the podcast description and grab some tickets to win a Silencer Co. Hybrid uh, 46 before they're gone. We're only selling 250 tickets at $25 a piece or 5 for 100 uh, If you win, <clears throat> you'll fill out the paperwork and we'll foot the bill on everything including the tax stamp. So don't miss out on that opportunity. And lastly, if you don't want to miss out on any future hunts, make sure you hop over to our Patreon and join our hunting community. Let's jump into this podcast. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. How many of those were kids? It was a hundred? It wasn't one hundred eighty-nine kids. It was one hundred eighty. One hundred eighty-nine total. That was over hundred youth, though. Yeah, we, we and and that was with almost zero advertising. So that's pretty much our baseline of people who make it their annual plan to be there for their last time. And you're, the year. when you say youth, you're just talking kids seventeen and under, or is it mm-hmm. 16 fifteen, and under? fifteen and under. It's got to be. Yeah, you, you have to be fifteen. You can't drive yourself to the boat ramp. Mm. So. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy last night, and I was like, yeah, man. I said, uh, this weekend uh, is, I think it's the last weekend for a deer hunt. There's a deer hunt this weekend. Mm, is there? Mm-hmm. I don't keep up. Uh, and then next weekend, turkey season opens for youth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Down I'm, south of 70. Dude, I'm, there was, know, there... was March 8th every year, and uh, the NWTF Space Coast Gobblers used to have their banquet on like the it's always my wife's birthday which was march 8th and it's the opening day for everybody south of what is it uh 70 70 yeah, yeah. everybody south of 70 and so like half of our chapter wasn't ever at the banquet and we still had one of the most profitable banquets in the state every year and all of our hardcore guys were down south smacking birds already yeah putting kids on and then you go i want to say like two weeks mm-hmm. first weekend in march second weekend in march and then youth weekend is up here and then it opens south of 70, and then it opens up two or three weeks later up here. 
And know. then by the time the turkey season's over in our side of the state in late April, you got what? May, June, mm-hmm. and then a few days in July, and it's deer season again. There you go. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just looking forward to Gator this year. When does that open up? September, I think. August. August. Well, now FWC. The permits come out. Uh, yeah, apply for permits in the beginning of August, isn't it? Did you see that uh, FWC now opened up or voted to open up special what, what's a, a special opportunity draws for Gator? Nope. Where's that at? So special. I don't know where it's at, but a special opportunity. You know what a special opportunity hunt is? Nope. Like Green Swamp West or Lake Panasofsky. Oh, right. Those Lake two are, Pan has its own ticket or its own. Uh, it's a special opportunity there. hunt. Yeah. You draw it, and then when you draw it, it costs you like a hundred and fifty bucks for the permit, and you can actually. I think you can that put permit it on is Pan transferable. On the regular lottery though, because Pan has its own lake tags. I'm talking about for deer because there was oh, there oh, there wasn't. Oh, oh, uh, I was talking gator. Yeah, there, yeah, there was wasn't like, special opportunity hunts for gators up to now, but Lake Pan. Or Lake Panasofsky is a special opportunity deer hunt area. So it's Green Swamp West and a few other places across the state. Right. So you pay an additional 130, 140 bucks for that hunt. And it's transferable, which is nice. So if I bought it for 130 bucks, I can transfer it to you. I can give it to you or you can pay. You can't sell it, but I can recoup what I spent on it. Right, right. Um, and then you get a, it's, you know, like it says, a special opportunity hunt. But hunting's better in there. But from what I understand, the special opportunity hunt is supposed to be able to transcend between a few different uh, alligator management units, AMUs, maybe open up like at, at, the only way I could see, and I don't know this, I'm not even going to say it. We'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. But you're well, going to get special opportunity hunts coming up for alligator. And I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but... I hope they straightened me out because I did my gator harvest report online and I reported both my gators at the same time after I harvested my last gator. And one of them, I got I got the email back from the FWC server for both of the reports and then I got a final notice warning from FWC and I'm like, I wonder if this is open it up and it's like, you failed to report all your gators. So I called the, the woman in charge of the gators. I said, I, I did this back when I harvested the last gator on this day. And she's like, no, you didn't. So I went back and looked through my email inbox and emailed their both of the little PDF papers they send you saying, here's your official report or whatever. And uh, I called her back to see if she ever cleared it up. And I kind of think she was trying to dodge me because I was a little bit miffed when I called the first time. I wasn't trying to harass her about it, but I was like kind of gaslighting myself. I was like, I did. Did I? Did I? No, I did. Did I? You know, yeah. so I was like, I went and dug up all the paperwork and I was like, I knew I did it. And I, I got the reports in my filing cabinet too, just because, you know, they, just in case this happens. Right. Yeah, you might want to stay on about that because yeah. it might be one of those things that, oh shit, I don't know how to fix this. So I'll just get around to it later. Well, well no, like- I emailed, you always got to make sure you got that email paper chain. So I emailed both of those reports to her and was like, see, I did it. And she never yeah, but until somebody back. goes back into the system and lets Vincent Phelps be eligible well your gator hunting days will be over she wasn't wrong something happened with the server or something because when i went back on to fwc and checked my reports i only had the one the first one right and it was filed on the day that i filed both of them and i went back in my emails and both of them got receipts back but only one on the current day that i was checking it like four months after gator season was on there so i was like okay that's super weird so i just filled out another one submitted it and then I called her, and I was like, look, I just want to make sure you know that this isn't me. Like, I did both of these reports at the same time the day I dropped my last gator off at the processor. Right. And uh, 
after that, uh, I haven't heard anything back. So I do need to follow up. I've been busy selling properties like hotcakes, hopefully. You know, so got a couple things under contract here in the first couple months of the year, first quarter of the year. And that's like uh, we talked to Alan Bates a while back, and he's got into some areas that were technically legal according to FWC's maps and rules. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when he went out to go gator hunt, he's like, I know this is, doesn't look right. He's like, but they say it's okay right here in the rule book. He printed out that page, laminated it, stuck it in the boat. Oh, I always I always put, so I get a Ziploc baggie. It's got my tags and all the tag paperwork with each tag stapled to it. And then I always print out my hunt area map right. from the FWC website and put it in the baggie with the, so if I get pulled over, I'm like, right here, you know, right there. Right. And you, you know, drop pins and stuff when you kill stuff. If you got, I'd say I don't have any of that stuff, but it, good advice for everybody else. If you got a, you know, onboard GPS, drop a pin where you hook Here, them. Here's even better than that. Like you could just register early for the crawfish boil with your favorite email for the poker run and you'll get a free year of spartan forge yeah what yeah i use land id so i don't know what that is is that like spartan Onyx? forge yeah I'll, I'll show you some drone because they it's like onyx right mm-hmm. except you you look at onyx maps you're like yeah that's good if i pull up spartan forge and show you some areas around here you're like oh that's a palm tree that's an oak tree that's a magnolia tree yeah that's it's like that clear google okay, google deal. maps has the best resolution so I don't exactly understand all the science, but they've got basically Google Maps resolution. They've got the no. Onyx capability. Have you have you not looked at the the like the drone coverage? It's not Google Maps. It's aerial it's photography. Ten times better. Yeah. Whatever. It's got all the best features of every app you can know wrapped into one. It's pretty solid. Okay. Cool. And one of the things I love the most is the very easy to access little widget that tells you which way the wind's blowing. Oh, cool! It's always on your home screen. As as a land specialist, I use like two or two or three different uh, property apps, you know, and and, and uh, mapping yeah, applications. Pr- I've got the app. So I use Land ID, and then I use uh, Earthplat Florida, which is only like seven dollars a month, but it has direct links to the property appraisers and the the tax, the county tax offices and stuff like that. Oh wow, yeah, that's that's so much better resolution. Oh, that's great. One day I'm going to be out there hunting, and a drone's going to be flying by. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> give it, give it the, the bird and be held in immortality on Spartan Ford. Uh, now, I mean that that type of coverage is not available everywhere across the U.S., but they do uh, update it. Try to update it wherever their users are. Yeah, so that you have it where. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that if it's not too much because uh, cheaper non it. It's like I'm on this blur. I don't know what this. You know, it's like you know. And some of those maps are so old. It's like if you have a map, like an aerial photo of Lake Orange from like yesterday, the shoreline's already changed. I want to say it's uh, Spartan Forge, I think, is 60 bucks a year. But whenever you buy in, so if you buy in now, it's $60. And then three years from now, it goes up to $70. You still keep paying 60 I said Lake Orange. I meant Orange Lake. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but if you come to the crawfish boil, it's gratis. If you you pre-register for the poker run. Because they have a, a thing on there called the Blue Force or BFT, which is Blue Force Tracker, which is, you know about that. It's a military thing. It's a tracking system. Big flipping time bomb. Yeah. But yeah. you can use that to share waypoints with your hunting group. So wherever you drop a pin, they can all see it, so on and so forth. Oh, we can okay. also use it to see real-time locations. So we're going to use that for the poker run to track the poker run. Oh, that's cool. We're going to put that to the test for him. With yeah. Hopefully Make sure you so. send the card boats out ahead of time because I was yeah. beating people to spots. I'm like, where's the cards at? 
Yeah, that is uh, that is the plan. Yeah. That won't happen this year. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Uh, you know, I want to do the poker run, but you should let me. Like, we we should sponsor poker spots where you pick up a card. We already did. We got. Well, as a matter of fact, why do you even call me? That was Mr. my idea. I was Mr. like, Mr. I'm gonna Big put Bucks. a card table out on the on the sandbar. Put my whitetail properties uh, tablecloth on and. You know, we're handing out free stickers and uh, poker cards. Mr. Krabs, why don't you remind him what, what he can get that exact setup for at our poker run? 300 bucks. Do you still have a poker spot available? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and put, if anybody else is interested in it, you put can. Put me down. In the, in the podcast description, there is a link to the tickets, mm-hmm. and you can purchase that whole sponsorship right there in that ticket link. All right. Cool, as well yeah. as tables. Uh, the gold table comes with either a, uh, and this is part partly your suggestion. You can get a Browning A5 Wicked Wing, uh, Browning Hell's okay. Canyon um, XR, or a Sig Legion 10 millimeter for Heck the gold yeah. table. Ooh, I love a Legion. And for the bronze table, you can get a Henry Big Boy 44 Magnum, mm. a Sig P3, P365 Macro, mm. yeah, or cool. or a. Um, Oh, for the life of me. A CZ Bob White, which mm. is a side-by-side. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. 28 gauge. 12, 20, or 28 Sexy. gauge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the silver table comes with a, or the, the bronze table comes with a cooler. Um, uh, I think we put a 100-quart cooler on there. And then you can buy just a regular table that doesn't come with any crazy cool stuff. And Did you have tables available last year? We did not. No, no yeah. So now we're just uh, r- ripping off the DU model. A little oh, bit. Yeah, Part yeah. of it is because, man, selling 300 model. individual tickets, tickets is hard. was brutal. So we sell tables, and then the guy that buys it's kind of by the table. Yo, y'all bring the dragons to the door, man. Y'all got live music yet? We don't. I got a guy. Hey, it's it. I mean, he plays acoustic country at like Ellie Mays and a bunch like uh, Lone Cabbage and stuff like that. Sounds like Chris Stapleton, super cool dude. Uh, his <laughs> name's Donnie Howard, man, and he he plays some really good country music. It's so, worth thinking about. I, I I'll have to call him and ask him how much he gets a gig. I, th- I think it's like two hundred fifty bucks or three hundred bucks. It's not too much where we couldn't. I mean, he, he plays good, and it's not like I hate live music. I'll be honest. I, if I I'll go to a restaurant and a live band sets up, I'll move inside. I cannot stand it. It's so loud and obnoxious, and I'm trying to talk to my friends, but. You know, he, he, he does a good job at, like, you know, blending the music into the background noise so you can yeah. either enjoy it or you can have a conversation. That's and, one of the things I don't get. Like, I'll go to restaurants like that, and you're trying to socialize. And I get it, man. The musician wants people to hear him. But it's like, we're not here to hear you, dude. We're here to eat dinner and converse. Yeah, you just so happen to be here while yeah. I'm trying to eat my Mexican food. Yeah, but this is one of those guys where you just so happen to be eating your uh, gator, you know, bites or whatever at Lone Cabin. And you'll be like, huh, man, man he is really good. And you start putting in song requests, and he knows just about all of them. It's, I think it's different when you go to like a bar and they've got live music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, trying to go eat dinner somewhere. He does. Yeah, he does pretty good though. He does pretty good. Mariachi so. band comes up, and then you don't put a dollar in the big <laughs> guitar, and they kind of look at you funny. It's like the the, the John uh, Mulaney sketch where he talks about like uh, being assassinated. It's got to be like uh, finding out you're about to get played to by a mariachi band. You're just sitting there minding your own business, like, huh, a trumpet, huh, a guitar. Huh, a trombone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the loudest noise in the world. Da, 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 da. Oh, man. I love them horns. <laughs> and on top of all that, like last year, we gave away that custom rifle ahead mm. uh, of the boil. Right now, also in the link to the podcast description, we're giving away a, a Silencer Co. Hybrid 46 oh, yeah, suppressor. Yeah. 
Hey, that was also on my recommendation. With mm-hmm. with the stamp, right? Yeah. Yeah, Pay yeah. So uh, if you're in the state of Florida, um, you'll come meet us here at our local gun store, and you're going to fill out the paperwork. We're going to foot the bill. If you aren't in the state of Florida and you have a gun store who's willing uh, willing to just let us pay over the phone, we can do that. Or I'm going to just give you the money uh, up to what it would have cost us to buy it here. Because you have to be a Florida resident in order to like physically transfer. fill it out. Um, but I want anyone to be able to win it. So if it's going to cost us you know, whatever amount of money it would have cost us to, to purchase, purchase it here, I will give you that towards the pressure plus the tax stamp. Yeah, Dope. That's pretty good. So, and for all those people who have, uh, you know, 400 different caliber guns in their safe, it's a good solution for them. I have the hybrid 46 and freaking love that thing, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm one of those people where I have, uh, you know, uh, specific cans for specific guns, but, uh, you know, if you're a hunter and you got 40 different calibers it's for a, different things, <clears throat> it's a great fix. It does good on the big bore stuff from what I'm told too. It does great on my six, five. So, well, I, I can't complain. We could silence that wimpy thing with like a <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zephyr yeah, Hills yeah, water yeah. bottle and some tissues. <laughs> but uh, I'd run on my 300 blackout, my 556, my 65, my 308, mm-hmm. like all of it. And it's as easy caliber. as buying the buying the kit, you know, buying the little uh, quick change kit and then the muzzle brakes for it, and I'll yep. take it off one, put it on the other. Yep, yep. Watch this sexy segue. I had a really good run at Ducks Unlimited last year, so now I got a whole bunch of rifles. Oh, nice! Yeah, I'm that guy. It's, it's perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I gotta get. Yeah, I gotta get. You know, I have to get the ends all spooled up so you can put the suppressor on them. But um, man, <laughs> the yeah, I, I got. In fact, I was looking at that like it's great. You got all these rifles, but I I start thinking about putting the optics on them, and I'm like, oh, it's oh like, yeah. Here's the rifle. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's not even close to the whole cost of putting the gun together. That's like you just uh, handed me a bill. Take this back. I have enough of these. So, uh, and on top of that, too, we didn't just do, like last year, we did straight $25 a ticket. This Mm -hmm. year, it's $25 a ticket or five for 100 So if you add, I warn you now, if you try to buy four tickets, it's still going to cost you $100. So add the fifth one to your cart, and it'll automatically make it free. When you go to check out. There you go. Nice. But, hey, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jim in here with me tonight. Yes, sir. And we've got uh, Mr. Vincent Phelps. And, you know, you've come in here and talked property and all kinds of other things. But tonight, we're talking Ducks Unlimited. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, man. So, uh, Jim was talking about the last banquet. He was on an epic tear. And uh, I bought tickets for everybody. I bought a table. And I bought a ticket for a booklet for everybody at my table so that they could raffle. So I was about eight hundred dollars deep on tickets and come out with a keychain. So it was probably the most. <laughs> I, I, I shit you not, it's still on my keychain. I, I tell everybody as a, and I got one black belly whistling duck call. So I, that's on my lanyard. And when people ask me how much it costs, I tell them it's an eight hundred dollar whistling call. And they're like, "No way, who makes that?" And then I get to tell them about my tragic luck at the Ducks Unlimited banquet. But because we have so much crossover in this area with the good peeps. I ended up at y'all's Mudbug Bash the week afterwards because we're usually in April. We're May 11th this year, but we're usually in April. So I ended up over at <coughs> y'all's Mudbug Bash and bought an $85 raffle ticket and won a $1,000 jack plate. So it all came out in the wash. I was, you don't, t- you, tell them again how you got that jack plate, Vincent. 
I begged Jim for it because he got the rap. It was. It was. I thought I was trading table. for a battery. What I was trading I for was. I thought you were too. I get to buy one and get one half price. I was like, "What? That ain't." A I fair thought it was trade. half price off of one battery. I thought they were going to give you one, and then I heard it was half price. I was like, "So half price off one?" I didn't know. It was buy one, get one. Out. Yeah, I'm like, thanks. Like, <laughs> this certificate significantly defrays the, the cost of a battery. It's like, oh boy, so if I spend a thousand dollars on a lithium battery, I get to spend another five hundred. Damn, I'm sorry, Jim. I didn't know that. That's but, all right, man. I, it, I, 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 the joy you got from that jack plate. It's already great. on my boat. No tape axes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was doing about 36 miles an hour down the middle of the Withlacoochee River, and it was it was pretty low. This was during the drought. And I had my buddy who's like 280 pounds sitting on the bow and his son who's like a solid 90-pound chunk at like six years old in the middle. And we're hauling butt down the middle of the river. Actually, Jordan was in the boat with us. And I smoked a stump in the dead middle of the river and snatched the tiller out of my hand. Of course, I wasn't wearing my safety lanyard because I'm a cool cat. Shame on you. And, uh, yeah, we we went straight towards the bank. And I managed to grab the tiller and uh, turn the throttle down for us to just gently drift into the lily pads. Just in the nick of time, but it it cracked my transom on both sides, bent my prop shaft, which I didn't realize until after I got the jack plate put on, hung my motor back on it, hooked it up to the hose, fired it up, and the prop sitting there wobbling. I was like, oh, that must have happened too. So I'm almost back up in action, uh, you know, and this happened last June, so six months later. But you know what's funny is uh, you we normally would have had our crawfish boil in May and you guys would do the banquet in April and now we flip flop. flip flop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well you guys are having it the day after my birthday, so it pretty much gives me free reign to show up, show out, spend a retarded amount of money and get hammered with my friends. So Dude, get we that got, in writing. We got yeah, yeah we got AR fifteens to give away. We've got uh, another turtle box. You could always use another turtle box speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh we well, got they a, hook together. They play in tandem if you got here, two you now here's play stereo. Now, here's the thing that we haven't talked about yet and you don't know about. Uh, but we have uh, a water feather boat to give away. Ooh. Layout boat. Nice. I need one of those. Yeah, I was hunting the saltwater this year for the first time for the last two days of the season, and we got five mergs and, like, between the two days, like, nine bluebills. So it was a fun time doing saltwater for the first yeah, time. The two of them between the two days got nine bluebills. Not the two of us. <laughs> it was four-man hunt both days. Yeah, uh, uh, that still didn't add up, but good enough. <laughs> no, I commented on a post on uh, FDH, and there's like a, a pile of bluebells. It had to be like thirty bluebells, and I think it was like a twelve man hunt or something like that. So they had like whatever that would be times two twenty four. And uh, my comment on the post was me and my multiple personalities explaining to the FWC officer how I'm still inside the limit. <laughs> well, so I hope the statute limitations run out. A couple years ago, we were down in uh, uh, Louisiana. And uh, oh, I can't remember where we went. It doesn't matter. So we just—it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. But he's like, "You want to go duck?" I'm like, yeah, "If we can find a guide, so we find this. Look this guy up, and we go down there, and we go out, and um, bluebells come in. I'm like, wham, wham. I'm like, oh, we're probably done for the day. Then more bluebells come in. Guide stands up. There's nothing but wham. I'm like, all right, I guess we're killing more bluebells. So I didn't bother looking at the book. So we stacked them up. Like I mean, I think. So there's four guys in the boat. We all shot six ducks, and I kid you not, probably five out of the six oh, God. for all of us are bluebills. I got this picture if you go way back at Facebook, big pile of bluebills. Woo! You know, and I just thought maybe it was different in their flyway. 
it ain't. It, well, that that guy, I was looking him up. He, he's in jail <laughs> for all, all kinds of notorious shit, right? Including, you know, but is uh, that old boy that moved to South Florida that everybody hears around the? No, no, this is okay. in Louisiana. Mm. This is out of. Uh, I can't well, they had out. a dude jump from I think it was Arkansas or Louisiana, move on down to South Florida, and his reputation done followed him. I don't know his Facebook drama. I was like, oh, oh yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. People be like, Google them and look them up. So I Googled them, and sure enough, you get a bunch of people of Walmart photos of them holding a little sign. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I've been out with a couple different guides, man, and they're usually like, like they're retarded. Well, in a good way. You know, they're like, hey, like if you got bluebills coming in with something else, they're like, no, 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 no. You know, they won't let you shoot anything in the pack because they don't want to end up dropping that extra blue. Right. But not this fellow, because I was like, oh, all right. You know, we're out there in the middle of nowhere, came and looked things, I didn't even try. You know, and, uh, the blue bill limit makes no sense to me because all my life I've lived on the Indian River and watched like a kajillion blue bills raft in front of my dock every year, like tens of thousands. I'm like, God, please. I've never seen I any other duck. I think that's because we get them all. Like that. Yeah, yeah, we must. I don't know. Buffleheads. Mm. Ain't no shortage of those little boogers, though. No. So, well, I still ain't got a buff yet. I, they came in on us, but they were burning. I was like, oh. There you go. Yeah. Well, this year, man, between uh, my largesse. I know. I bought two dozen reds, two dozen buffalo heads. You got a dozen scop, right? Uh, Yeah, I got a dozen. I got two boxes of redheads, two boxes of uh, bluebills, two boxes of buffs, five boxes of coots, five boxes of ringers. And I still have like four dozen, or not four dozen, uh, four boxes of blue wing teal and some coots laying yeah. around so if you and i go out and do a joint hunt we might need to bring two boats just because one of them's got a haul of decoys yeah that's what right. we can use my little boat for i'm, I'm looking <laughs> for something with the damn reverse i keep like i was like well I'll, I'll weld the step transom on it and i'll put a bigger motor on it and sid's got one right now if anyone's looking and wanting to buy he's got a uh gtr 37 horsepower that i got my eye on for like a pretty good price and i was like well i can weld a step transom on the boat and i was like man that's a lot maybe i'll just get you know one of these mud buddy minis uh mini hdrs with the 23 because i have one now but i ain't got a trim i ain't got a reverse and i put myself on a few mud packs which you know the reverse on the mud buddies and gtr aren't really gonna help you all that much on that but uh and then i'm like maybe i'll just get another boat so i'm in the constant throes of uh personal conflict of do i buy another boat or do I buy another motor? Or do I stop spending money <laughs> and just be glad about what I got? So I think I'll be able to just hold what I got right now. No. Next I season, killed plenty man. last year. I got a couple places, especially north of here, that we could go put out a 200-duck spread okay. over a point, and we'll, well have us a time. I tell you, that G3 hunted good, and it's about like I like a hunt boat to have for ducks is it doesn't have a high front deck, so the whole boat is decoy storage. I just pile them in there. When they got the hunt deck, it's great for gator. It's such a pain in the butt because if you put a man on there, he's like four feet above everybody else, which I hate because somebody's muzzle is going to be pointed directly at their head if they're not careful because they're sitting up on the deck. So then they got to sit sideways on the deck. Then they're kind of facing at you. But when you have the low deck and everything's just floor height on the boat, you can sit three man comfortably facing out without yeah. any issues. Well, that's why that's why Jim's boat's nice with that removable, removable deck. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way you got to have it. So duck season comes, you pull that out. Because a mud boat, man, a mud boat is a freaking great flat fishing boat too. 
yeah, I hate that. You know, uh, they say, ah, oh, just put the Inox on it. And then, man, I, I put Inox all over my motor. I hunted salt water for two days. And that joker done rusted and broke down in those two days. And I had no problems anywhere we else. Used, we used to flats fish the, the crap out of Jordan's boat. Coated it. And when I say coated it, I mean Oh, yeah. I used, it I used a whole sample can, man. I was, oh, no. That, that I joker used was two, shiny. two full-size cans. Yeah, but yeah. that's a big that's a big bill every time you go out to the salt water when you can just have a cowling and a jack plate. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'm trying to, my Ginu will be my saltwater boat next year. And I'll throw everything in the Ginu Classic and go set up in the saltwater on that. And then I'll just use the 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 Prada G3 to go out and uh, hunt the, the freshwater. The Prada G3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made stickers and everything. Y'all see that? I did. My wife's got a cricket, so I done pulled the Prodigy logo offline and, and deleted everything after Prada. And then took the G3 logo and, and put it on the end. I could run it through the cricket and make a big sticker that says Prada G3. <laughs> <laughs> well, I run my saltwater boat for just running around as a G3. Mm-hmm. You know, my bay boat. Bay. It's not a bay boat. G3 makes a bay boat, but I just got a G. I got an 1850 console. Well, you got to. That's, that's the outboard. utility thing, man. Yeah, I run the outboard for that. That's for hauling ass. Man, I, I ain't never seen metal boats in the saltwater till I come. To Central Florida, where everybody, it's closer for us to run out to Crystal River in Yankee Town than it is growing up on the Mosquito Lagoon. We all head to the lagoon, and everybody's out there in like the nice fiberglass, hand laid, you know, casting boats and technical poling skiffs and and all that. And you'd see John boats out there, but it was just the the local guys trying to make good out there and get some redfish. But you go out to the west, I mean, like the guides are fishing them. Everybody fishes a metal boat out west. and I think it's because, you know, it just hurts your heart a little different when you feel fiberglass rub against an oyster bed, and it just ruins my entire day. And a metal boat, I'm like, it's the work truck of boats. Like, if it catches <laughs> some heat, like, I don't give a crap. No, I just get out and spray paint. No, you ain't even got a buff. You just... JB well, baby. Put, fix that hole right up. That's right. <laughs> get a few more seasons out of it, you know? <laughs> I was running, uh, I used to have a little one, man. I've told that thing, like, I should pull the drain, but I, it didn't even have very, I got like a fucking five horse mortar around. It was really small, but I ran, uh, I was boogieing down a, um, a creek and I ran into a, I mean, just head headlong into a deadhead, mm-hmm. you know, but it was really, it was really sharp. Like somebody else had broken it off Oops. and I was actually, I, I, this thing would, it was so small and the motor was so small that I could steer it. By standing on the front of the boat and mm-hmm. just putting more weight on one side oh, than the I've other. Oh, I've done that with my 12-foot John boat. Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> I do that with the Ginu before I have a trolling motor. I hang my feet in the water. It's like left turn, left foot in water. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm up at Deco, Depot Creek. I took your brother there and dicking uh, around and hit this right in the middle of the just right in the middle of the river. Bam! And jettisoned me. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 and I was pretty lucky because, you know, the motor's obviously still running. But it was, it was impaled, like the branch went right through the bottom of the boat. Oh, I was God. like, oh, right. But I managed to get it back, and that's all I did, man. I went to Tractor Supply, got some JB Weld, both sides like a little sandwich. Good as new, man. There you oh, go. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, I would I would just like to shout out to everybody when I broke down on the last day of the season that recommended Cito. I have not, and probably will never have a Cito membership. Because it is my karmic duty to rescue people broke down on the internet 
And I show up and show out for him. I was like, come on, y'all. They're like, you should have had Cito. I'm like, I don't need Cito. I got friends. I almost called Jim. <laughs> yeah, we'll come get you. I still have, but Progressive will carry it. Even though I hate that insurance company. Mm-hmm. They'll carry it. They'll carry it. Like, you eat that with your insurance. I'm just saying. Not Cito. You there, have to use their there version. Was, there, there was a... Uh, I want to say Jordan's got a story about being broke down somewhere, and the guy called Tito, and he's like, "Oh, if you don't have a membership, you, they will skip oh, you had, alive." Yeah, he they he had one, and he called him, and they were like, "Oh yeah, well, he sent him a pen." He's like, "Are you in a flats boat?" He's like, "Well, I mean, yeah, I'm in a, a yeah." He was in his Hughes. He's like, yeah, "I'm in a flats boat." He's like, "Yeah, I can't help you." Yeah, no, I mean, and oh, half, I can't I can't get to you. I can't get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and half the half the places I get stuck down. Cito can't help me. The last time I was in a flats boat stuck on a mud flat in Point Set, so I just kept calling Lone Cabbage and being like, "Listen, you stand up on a bar stool and tell the you know yell out <laughs> who got, wants to make money." I got four hundred <laughs> bucks for the first person with an airboat to go to this you know uh, south side of Point Set and get this guy off a mud flat. I was like, it ain't gonna happen for me otherwise. I've been out here for six hours. Finally, some good old boy with a Georgia Bulldog on his uh, rudders come up and pulled me out and he was tickled because i was down from uf at the time visiting home point sets like my home lake and uh i had missed middle river i went i went in one turn early and went into like a bay and i was like oh 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 oh, oh when i was trying to pull out yeah and got stuck i was like oh man i was like old briar says he's not taking his boat to the the crawfish bowl this year mm, why is that because he flipped it last year for the thing everything got started how did he flip yeah how did he flip that uh, he tried to make a turn didn't turn sharp enough hit a uh like a mud bank and just rolled her over on her top he thought <laughs> it was like sunlight glistening off or something i, I don't know how he like it. he could run through the weeds or something there yeah no yeah. Dude, he's land. got like a he's got the pro drive man it's like you know when yeah he, it works great when it's he right hit, side up when in doubt he throttle a, out he hit a solid like sandbank not he a little stand mud pie they it were, was yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was there waving at him on the bank on the other side, and he was out there flipping his boat over. I was like, "What's up?" Because we were in Joey's boat that year, which is for sale if anyone's looking for a prodigy with an OB turbo on a forty. Yeah, I remember because I was still driving there. It's like six thirty in the morning, Mm -hmm. and he calls me. He's like, "Hey," or I answered the phone, and it was uh, oh for the life of me, I can't think of his wife's name, um, but she answered. And and I was like, is everybody okay? Mrs. Moon. Yeah, Mrs. Moon. Or Mrs. Woodham. And I, I, I was like, I said, is everybody okay? She's like, yeah, we're we're fine. Um, I just, uh, hang on, let me let you talk to Briar. And I knew at that point something was was messed up. Briar's like, I flipped my boat. And I'm like, are you all right? Yeah, we're okay. Uh, can I, I need I need your help. I was like, brother, I don't, I don't, I, I got a 12-foot John boat, and I didn't bring it with me. And why are you calling me like, I'll call around and see what I can find. And eventually got an airboat out there to him to flip him over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring my airboat this year. So I have an airboat, and it's been an ongoing project. And it was at the top of the list until the uh, the transmission in my sneaky toaster, which is what my wife calls my element because I bought it when she went to North Carolina. After she said, and I quote, I fully support the idea of you buying another car. <laughs> which I took as unlimited permission to immediately buy another car without discussing any further details. So I went down to Tampa and bought the beatest element that you ever did see because it came in khaki tan. So I was like, hell yeah, Range Bro car, let's do this. 
And I was like, my, my whole plan was to fix it up and build it out to a micro camper so I could sleep at the zoo on uh, in duck season. <laughs> and it's actually turned out pretty good, man. It was such a reliable little car that I started bragging on it and it heard me and then decided to blow its transmission up going down my driveway. So I had just enough to roll into the house. So uh, I don't know, man. I've heard promises we were going to take that thing to Alaska at one point. but We're still doing it. Yeah, well, it needs know. a transmission. We might want to wait until I blow the motor, and at that part, every component in the car will be new. Because I was driving home from Honda with a new power steering pump and power steering rack for my extra big tires that I stuffed on there. So we got like an aftermarket power steering pump that's bigger than the element already has. And, you know, and I was on the way home from suffering that big bill, and the transmission blew up. So I bought a transmission today for $2,700 for a new remanufactured transmission, and I'm upset about it. Because that was supposed to be my airboat money. Are you putting it in? I am not. I could, but I don't have a hoist. So by the time I buy the hoist and spend the 12 hours cursing and rolling around on my garage floor. I mean, in most transmission jobs are way easier if you have a lift and you drop it out the bottom. than pulling the whole engine to reattach the transmission right. and shove it back in. But that's the way I'd be doing it because I don't have a lift. And I don't feel like rolling around on jack stands. So, you know, it's like. Six of one half dozen the other by the time. dad's got a lift. Doesn't he? Mm-mm. No? No. Well, that's a front wheel drive thing, though, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, fucking. The only person we know. Well, because it's a transaxle and it's sitting on a subframe. So, like, it's it's a pain in the butt to even get from it underneath. But the only person I know with a lift that you know is, is uh, Matt Harbin. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, one of these days, Still. it's on the list if all my toys stop breaking down, but I've, I've decided no more toys until everything runs flawlessly, and I'm pretty much done rebuilding this element after 14 months of ownership. But I picked it up with 248,000 miles on it. It's got 273,000 miles on it in the last 14 months, and I have repainted it. I have lifted it, put it on 3-inch lift and 1-inch subframe job, put 31-inch BF Goodrich tires on it, and that thing is... Put eye bolts in it so you can hang a hammock? Oh, yeah. No, no, that came that way. <laughs> Did it really? He was definitely living in it. No, I, when I had it repainted, I had him do the bodywork and patch over that hole he threw-drilled in the roof to hang an eyeball and, like, put some 5300 around it and smashed a metal plate on top of it. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was being lived in when I bought it. And, uh, well, you know, that was my intention, too, so I can't really blame the guy. I was like, this is going to be my home away from home. So. That's a man after my own heart, man. I was looking at them slide-in, slide-out drawers that go in the back of your pickup truck. Oh, yeah. The deck jacks. system? Yeah. Yeah, man. And I'm like, man, I could throw that in the truck in this little capper and, you know. You put a bed on top, put your stuff underneath it. Basically. Because, <laughs> yeah. I was, and, you know, Michelle's kind of down because I'm like, man, we could just wander the earth like Cain for a while. You That's know, what like I was trying to years. do. I was thinking that's, of all the, like, the camping uh, in the Ocala National Forest I could do. Jim's got higher uh, aspirations. He's trying Amanda, to get me to go to Alaska. Amanda told me she's like, when the kids when the kids move out, she's like, I want to get an RV so we can just travel around. I said, I'm not I'm not buying an RV. Nah, fuck that. Just pick up. And a- I said, no. I said, no. If you want to buy something to drive around and sleep in, I said, we're getting one of those daggum four wheel drive Mercedes vans. Dude, yeah. well, you know, well, dude, this these days, like you you get the RV. That's part of me thinks you're going to save money. Good luck, I don't man. Know. Check the fucking it costs as much to I park your this, RV as it does get a hotel. I had, well, I had this conversation with my dad. He's like, "Well, you just need to get a pop up camper." And I was like, "But that's not any cheaper than getting a hotel a cheap hotel room." He's like, well, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "Well, when I hook a trailer up to my truck, I go from getting twenty miles to the gallon to getting twelve. Yeah, I get so twenty if I'm in the driving, micro camper. If I'm driving, you know, four hundred miles, I paid for a hotel room in gas." I tell you, on this last run, so 
forgive me for you people that drive this thing. For whatever reason, the Honda CRV, is that what it is? Yeah. I see them and they, I don't know why, they always just annoy me. Yeah, I have but one. I, I had one. <laughs> so oh, it really? Makes sense. Yeah. Well, man, I tell you what, then those things sip fuel because they I are drove, legend. The, I drove, I don't know how many miles, but I drove, I drove like a solid ten hours, uh, all through Mississippi and Louisiana, and still had a quarter tank of gas. Where if I'd driven that far in the F one fifty. I'd have put a buck sixty through it at that point. Oh yeah. Right? yeah, I was like, and then when I filled it up, it was like, of course they're cheap gas up there. It was like thirty five bucks. I was like, you're shitting me. The hand I couldn't clicked. believe it. Because I, I, I went from driving that F two fifty. I got out there for a work truck to driving. What is that? The Ford uh, Edge. Because mm-hmm. my truck was in the yeah. shop, and so I go to fill it up, and it's like going and going, and it's like click, and I'm like, oh, the Dacon pump quit working, and I grabbed it again, sh- click, and I was like, I'm looking like thirty five dollars. 12, 12 gallons? I'm gallons? like, why are we yeah. looking at electric inside, vehicles? Hit, hit start, and it's full. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, the, the fuel efficiency on some of these new vehicles, it, it makes you question the, the efficacy of electric vehicles because they're pointless and dumb. Oh, but, well, now I'm, I'm gonna get a, we're getting sidetracked, but I, one thing before I rope it back into Ducks Unlimited. I saw a study the other day of the Rivian trucks, right? Yeah. And they were driving them at 55 miles an hour mm-hmm. into uh, like guardrails and mm-hmm. cables and things like mm-hmm. that. 55 miles an hour at a glance, not a head-on collision, a glance. That sucker plowed through a guardrail and then through the concrete jersey barrier behind it. Because like, it's so an, heavy. An F1, it's an 8,000 pound An truck. F-150 size vehicle weighs as much as an F-350. I mean, yeah. in, in the same footprint of like an F-150. The and they're low, low center of gravity because the batteries are in the bottom. Yeah. Keeps them upright. So they just, it's straight through all of it. That's 55 like, miles an hour, never barely slowed down. Well, and you know what I learned too is because they have such a heavier weight and a smaller footprint, you get charged more on your registration. Like I do on my F four fifty is more for me to register because the thing weighs like fourteen thousand pounds. You get charged more on your registration for electric vehicles because they weigh more than the average vehicle. That sounds like a great thing to put a snowplow and a cattle guard manufactured thing on the front of and just yeah. Except you know. when it's cold enough for a snowplow, you got like 15% no, no, no. Battery you don't. Life. You don't use it for the, for that. You just drive. Right, oh, crowd control. Right down the center of I four. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do want to say. Well, we were on CRVs, man. People sleep on those Hondas. They got a. Uh, they call them uh, trail sports now. And it's like uh, adaptive all-wheel drive. They get pretty ranchy. It's not a true four-wheel drive, but for like honestly how most people hunt, you're on forest roads and stuff, you put good little mud tires on them with their little bit lifted on the trail sports. And, man, they're cool. And I, we get like 36 miles to the gallon on a road trip on our CRV. I'm sure if I put mud tires on it, it'd be worse. But, you know. I don't know, man. I wound that thing out. I, I am a changed man on the CRV. You don't Dude, want a wrench arrow? People are sleeping on them. And the Gen 1s have like huge. Is that the, the, little, the little truck, you're, the little thing you're That's the Ford truck and, car, like an El Camino. And uh, a oh, ranch yeah, arrow. No, that's not what I'm talking That's not what I'm thinking about. The, the little thing you were riding around in. in uh, no, in that's Mexico. an Amigo. Amigo, yeah. Dude, no, those. That thing's legendary. <laughs> 
The, oh. Bro, you know what's legend is the uh, Toyota Hilux or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, yeah, know, man. It's the- <laughs> Toyota, proud sponsor of insurgencies globally across the world. You know, it's an instant technical, just add gun. But, uh, man, they Toyota, and, of course, American market gets screwed because, God forbid, we ever have anything cool and affordable. I was going to say, if we had Hiluxes here, you'd see guys driving down I-75 with so- 50s on them all the time. <laughs> Apparently, the Hilux has gotten too expensive for the global market, and there's too much luxury in it. So Toyota is releasing a new quarter-ton pickup for less than $10,000 a truck. And it's like rolling windows, slidey seats where you got to pull the bar up and stuff. And it has their Toyota motors and everything in it. It's like the new Hilux. And you can buy them for like $10,000 a truck MSRP out the door, but they don't ship to a domestic market. And I was like, man, if I could get these things imported... I mean, they're cool. They're cool. They're in. They were in Motor Trend this year, dude. Every dog box, every guy with a dog box would be buying one. My God, they're like half the price of side by sides these days. Thirty grand for a side by side? Are you out of your mind? Well, how much does it cost you to put it on a container ship? I don't know. I got to figure the it out. The problem is, you well, have to have. I want to say it's like uh, it's it's got to be twenty years older to import. Well, I tell you, Lutz Overland and. Uh, uh, it's a Rome Overland and Lutz is a is a JDM importer. So if anybody would know how to get one here, it'd probably be them. So the issue is, it probably isn't meet doesn't meet our environmental and safety. Well, of course standards. it doesn't, because we have to run our country on rainbows and unicorn farts while India burns tire fires. Because you know we're <laughs> we're clearly the problem. You know? <laughs> we're responsible for like two percent of the global pollution in the world. And the thing is, is they've done studies. Countries don't get cleaner until the the median GDP surpasses sixty thousand dollars. No, that because makes until sense, then you don't care if you're if you're clean. You just care that you're freezing to death, so you'll burn anything that lights right. on fire. I mean, they're still, yeah. you know, they're still burning tires and cow shit to keep their huts warm. Yeah, and you're mixing lard into your beans to get your minimum caloric intake. Yeah, you don't I mean, really care it, about global warming. Exactly. You like make it warmer. <laughs> global warming is literally a first world problem because global warming everywhere else is a blessing because they're like thank god because the cold kills way more people than the heat and they're like I'm, I'm down for an extra two degrees a year let's turn this up and there go the last two or three pc listeners to the depression <laughs> outdoors podcast well let's take a break real quick yeah go for it The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. Well, Mr. President-elect, what's on the calendar for DU for the 24-25 season, I guess? May 11th will be our banquet, so it's still on a little behind schedule, but we're going to have one. Where where is it going to be? It'll be at Silo Oaks again, so we'll be back to where we were last year. That's a really pretty, and the year before that. It is. 30 really years pretty, yeah. Oh, wow. Really pretty venue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, yeah, it'll be on Silo Oaks. But, uh, yep. Um, and then, and, uh, of course, we always have the youth hunt. So, Joey will probably always be the face of that. You know, uh, he does a, a great job with it, and he gets all fired up to see the youth getting into the hunt and stuff like that. He's uh, 
a little preoccupied lately, but, you know, so I'm stepping in for him. He can take it back if he wants to, whenever he wants to, because it's a really a, a kind of heavy mantle to carry a whole chapter. It's a lot of coordinating. It's, it's almost a part-time job, and uh, probably wouldn't be able to do it if Jim wasn't going to stay on an extra year past when he agreed as our, uh, as our chapter treasurer. So uh, any people with uh, accounting or financial advising experience, I'm taking a new treasurer. But because uh, <laughs> Jim is ready to retire, but uh, no, he's not. No, he is with <laughs> us, man. He's, Jim does Jim does more stuff than anybody I know. I mean, he's involved with his son's fraternity, and he's uh, got the UPO thing. He's here every Thursday. You know, he's uh, he's uh, got a guy with a lot of things vying for his time. But you know, I got nothing else to do but uh, sell land and talk ducks. So I figured I'd step in and be DU president for a little while. Yes. See, this is Jim's off time. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> you know, the stresses of uh, everyday life, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jim got a boat this year and got really into duck hunting. He hunts everything that moves, but, uh, you know, uh, decided to give his total focus to duck hunting. And me and Jim had a couple decent hunts, and Jim got some good luck on mixed bags uh, that I wish I would have picked up. I mean, I cursed him when he shot that. Uh, would you shoot a widgeon? On, yeah, with Briar. Yeah, yeah. Are we allowed to spot name on this podcast? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't. We, we yeah, discourage really not, it. In but, Sumter. <clears throat> so, you know, we were all kind of like, man, what's that doing there? So, I mean, it was, it was good luck. It's always nice when you when you get something unexpected. Um, it's kind of fun about duck hunting. It triggers all the centers of my brain that gambling and fishing do. It's like the next one could be something cool, you know. <laughs> it's in fishing, it's the next cast is going to be the is the payday. That's where I'm going to get the bite. It's always the one more cast philosophy, you know. Yeah. So, well, I'm, you know, you know, offense, hold on. I, I've really very much enjoyed my time with with Ducks Unlimited. Uh, but you know, the biggest issue there is I'm, I'm a Seminole County guy. Oh, yeah, I and know. And it's hard to recruit. <laughs> it's hard to recruit and fundraise when most of your center of influence is, is two hours away from where you're going to have the banquet. Like, hey, you think about buying a table for me at Ducks Limited? Yeah, man, where is it? Well, it's out in Sumterville. And they're like, what? Where's that? <laughs> Where's Sumterville? Oh, man, yeah. trust me, I know. I mean, I just, when I joined with Whitetail, they said, reach out to your sphere of influence. I was like, I'm five counties away from where I grew up. I was like, they didn't even give me my home county. Uh, apparently that's south central florida you ask everybody in brevard they'd be shocked but you know, <laughs> yeah. they're like we're south now <laughs> but uh no yeah it's it's tough when you're you know you don't have the the regular guys that you uh live and grew up around to to recruit so you know uh i'm dependent on a lot of locals too to kind of chip in and bring me into their circles and that's kind of how i worked into du in the villages through joey i got to meet joey and we ended up just becoming fast friends because we lived like 20 minutes apart. So anytime somebody want to go stab frogs, like last minute is the best time to arrange a hunt with me. I was just I look at my wife, can I? She's like, yeah, get out of here. Because like, yeah, if you don't, you're you just going to mope all night on the couch. So, you know, me and Joey can always throw some last minute gator hunts together, last minute duck hunts, last minute frog hunts. And, and through him, I met uh, you guys. And I guess I met you at a gas station. Is that how we met? Me? Yeah. I was like, how did I meet Will? And he's like, he ran into him at a gas station. I was like, did I? No, I'm, I think the... F- I thought I met you through Jim, who I met through Joey. No, I met mm. you through the podcast. You guys, I thought, 
met at a gas station, saw the white tail. You saw the white tail properties and started yammering them to gas yeah. station. Next thing you know, he's in here checking us about. Real yeah, estate. I think you asked. No, no, no. no. Me. The first time I met 19, you was I at, was was I thought was at the youth hunt. Oh, you know you that may have been. It. I may have confused that with uh, you met somebody at the gas station. I met Jay at the gas station. Jay at the gas. Oh, I confused okay. it. That's right. Yeah. You guys met at the youth hunt. My mistake. See, I was gaslighting myself. I was like, you know, I meet so many people at a gas station because <laughs> I'm filling up that big F four fifty. So I'm sitting there for twenty minutes waiting for my tank to fill up. And no, people me see the and stickers and they're like, hey, do you have any lease land? I'm like, <laughs> dude, if I had lease land, I'd be the most popular guy in Florida. <laughs> no, I'm like, do the, you have any lease land? Our last week's guest, Jay Stone, I met at a gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right yeah. on. Yeah, so uh, I, I confuse those things with telling Joey how you met. No, nah, but so Joey, Joey Lyons, the, I guess, the still technically the president, president, the outgoing yeah. president. And I got involved with Joey when I was doing some volunteer work at BHA because I saw all the stuff he was doing with the youth hunt. Yeah, and I, we did a duck hunting movie with BHA, and I, I said, "Hey, man, I'd like you to come. Just and here, tickets on us and everything else. You know, just come and be recognized for all the hard work you're doing." And Joey immediately is like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, we're trying to raise some money for BHA." And he's like, "Well, I'll help here, man. I'll bring some coolers, and I got this thing with Drake, yeah, and everybody got right their, there. Yeah, everybody got these codes, and so he jumped right in and was like instantly helping. And you know, he's got a huge heart, and you realize." That he's, you know, like Vincent, kind of a high energy guy, uh, maybe a little disorganized, but the heart is in the right place. And at the end of the day, I admire anybody who, even when the chips are down a little bit, just sucks it up in the end and gets it done. It doesn't turn around and also be like, well, it's hard now. I'm going to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So with everything that's going on, uh, it's good that Vince has taken over because one of the hardest things for any organization to do is have a transition of leadership, especially Ducks Unlimited chapters and things where it's kind of intimate and you do have some guys that just work. It's mm-hmm. hard to replace them. Yeah, you know, Joey was a huge workhorse. I mean, I showed up to like one meeting and just sat in the boat next to him for a couple seasons. But I kind of got how everything was working on the inside because, you know, he's kind of my number one hunt buddy. And uh, I would say 98% of what I know about duck hunting, Joey taught me. Because uh, I hunted for years without very much success trying to lay out. And, you know, I mean, when I first started duck hunting back in like 2015, man, I remember I was scouting Orange Lake. I had a 13-foot Ginu low sider with an 8-horsepower outboard on it. And I could just barely make it out cross creek if i like got a good head of steam and blew across uh some of these flotillas real fast and half the time i'd end up dragging out and i'm sitting there seeing coots and scout in the middle and i'm like oh man look at all those ducks and there's probably like 90 percent coot so i'm thinking like i gotta shoot those so i'm just sitting on the edge of the lake like under you know it's 20 foot of water underneath me trying to shoot past ducks and losing them in the hydrilla and the flotillas and man it was a nightmare and i I hunted two seasons with no luck. Finally shot my first duck on an SCA hunt on an invite. And I was the only one to shoot a duck that day. And I shot a, a blue wing teal hen. And um, that was the only duck I shot that season. And then I kept trying and, you know, uh, actually figured out how to get a beat on snipe. Because when I'd be leaving the dude to walk in, uh, moping, kicking through the brush, and the snipe would start flying I figured out what those were and that I was allowed to shoot them. So I'd go duck hunting and get zero ducks and come back with four or five snipe every time. And, uh, you know, it was just a long, it's, it's a long road to walk if you don't have any mentorship. 
And, uh, you know, it's one of the most expensive sports to get into in terms of hunting. I mean, you need a boat, you need a gun, you need a pretty decent motor. Cause you know, I started with an outboard, then I got to get a, you know, mud motor. I got to get a different boat to get a mud motor. So then I got, I had an IPB <laughs> inshore power boats, uh, skiff, fiberglass skiff. And I thought I was going to dual sport it. So I was trying that for a while and realized that, you know, the, the IPB is a great hull, but it's not a duck boat either. Uh, so then I, I got into, shoot, I think I, you know, just jumped in other people's boats for a couple seasons. And then finally my brother's life is, it's picking up. It's getting busy for him. He's getting real busy at work. He made the Forbes 100 list for young, uh, financial advisors and, uh, he hasn't been too busy duck hunting. So I asked to borrow his boat last year, got it with two blown head gaskets and no exhaust, replaced those. I still owe him money for the boat. <laughs> Might have to renegotiate after $1,500 of immediate repairs. Um, <laughs> and I was just going to keep it for gator season. And by the time I got it fixed, it was duck season. So I kept it for duck season. And, uh, you know, I had a, probably one of the better seasons I've ever had this year. And a lot of it I was hunting on my own or hunting with a one-up with me instead of being the shotgun seat this time. And, uh, man, I, I made some hunts for some guys that have never hunted before. And they thought I was like the duck god, and it was Vince, all just doing what Joey taught me. Vince is great, man. He he's just you know doing his thing, and, and much like me, you know, like we get to the duck ramp, we look like we could be homeless dregs. <laughs> yeah, you know, and well, you know, duck hunters by and large are a bunch of knocking around guys, man. Yeah. A lot of them, and the beard you know, stays and, year round. And, and you know, Vince will see a guy, you know, it's just struggling or in that same place, right? He's trying to haul a canoe out, and Without realizing that, dude, you're, you're three hour paddle from where the ducks are, you know, yeah. and he'll jump in my boat. Next thing you know, they're bus buddies. Um, I actually did meet one of my best hunting friends that way this time. I pulled up to the boat ramp at four in the morning. I was the first one there and somebody pulled up and started getting a kayak out of his boat. And I said, hey, man, are you paddling? He said, you yeah, getting there. <laughs> I said, well, I'm hunting alone today because they just paddle right out the boat ramp and said, oh, they get a few. I mean, a lot of the ducks that the kayakers shoot, he's like, man, I'll just paddle around a bend and they'll be sitting down on the water. Now I'll just water whack them, yeah. you know, because they can, they can jump shoot ducks pretty easy in a kayak. Um, you know, and he gets past ducks and stuff like that. I was like, well, get, get my boat, man. So I ended up making good friends with this guy. We're talking, come to find out he was a Marine. And then he's joking this and that about his leg or something. I'm like, what do you... Hey, he throws it up there. He's got a dang prosthesis. And uh, I'd have never guessed it on him because he's getting around just as good as I am, nimble as hell in this boat. And so now I always mess with them. We went out and we hunted the last day together in the salt water, or the day before the last day. Was that the fella was in my boat? Uh, let's see. Was that? Was we went that out in the afternoon and no, just no. skunked it up. Mm, that was Logan. He, I, We went out and hunted salt water with him the next day, but I invited my buddy Ethan with me. And uh, I met both those boys at the boat ramp. And then we pull up to hunt the Saturday before the end of the season with those guys. And they take me to this island that they've been hunting on out of Yankee Town, and kind of explain how they've been trying to hunt. And so we're sitting there. We're blinded in. It's dark. Tide's going out. Outgoing tide. Uh, negative four tide. And uh, we're blinded in. The sun starts coming up. And this point starts emerging probably about 100 yards in front of us. And this long bar starts forming because I had set up on the in a cove on the island thinking I'd get a pass shooter or, you know, and that we could throw a raft out, you know, in this cove and maybe pull some in. Um, and 
this point starts emerging, and I was like, oh, no, man, I hate getting stuck back in pockets because if you're stuck back in a pocket, you'll watch those birds cross point to point all day and pass you, and you won't get a shot on them. And I was like, we got to move, we got to move. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? I was like, grab decoys, we're moving. So we're running out there grabbing decoys by the lead, and we run out to the end of this oyster bar that's like 100 yards long, and it's got these two giant rocks on the end that are like the size of a good-sized office desk. So we stick the palm fronds behind us to blind us from behind, throw all the decoys out off the point, and duck down behind these rocks. And uh, we shot seven scalp that day with uh, four guys. So pretty much scout limit, almost. almost. And, uh, I mean, these kids were losing their mind. They were on, like, the best duck hunt they had all season. And they thought I was like God. I was like, man, you, you can't be afraid to move. We would have sat there all day and shot nothing. I said, these ducks, they fly in between these islands. They don't like to fly over them. They follow them as, like, a flyway. And if you're stuck back behind a point like that, they're always going to loop out around that point. And th- those rocks, the way they showed up, man, it was a perfect eight-hour hunting spot. It was there, and by the time we were breaking down, it was it was leaving. I was like, so that was pretty cool, man. Um, you know, I mean, we left around up around midday uh, right after slack tide and tide started coming back in. So there's a little bit of water around the ankles. But, nice. yeah, it turned into a good hunt. We hunted it there the next day, and it was negative four tides with 20 knot winds. Ooh. Yeah, it was cooking. And, uh, you know, we got, I think, two or three scalp, but we ended up with, like, five mergs common mergs and i'd never shot a merg before i know they're like the crackhead of the duck world but they're not that bad man People... i needed one for the list so i sent them home with the real chef though but like we get to the boat ramp and my buddy's dinghy breaks down he's got a two and a half horsepower and we we're gonna load all the decoys in that and have them follow us out so i tow the dinghy out there and we get out there and we're hunting the point again and we're doing our thing we're making pretty good luck but it's so windy all the birds are heading inshore into like pockets and coves and I can see them rafting from where we were at, like, in, inshore. And uh, I was like, man, we got to move. I was like, we're, we're going to pull up and move and try to catch this 9 o'clock flight. Because they do that 9, nine o'clock move around. It's like a seventh inning stretch. So if you ain't got a limit by, by 9, if you set in before 9 somewhere else, you could change your luck pretty good. Um, so I jumped in my boat and left everybody on my phones on the island to go scout. Now, and uh, my buddy Tony jumped in with me. And we headed out, and I found a spot. I was like, hell yeah, this is where we're going to put up. And I'm heading back, and my motor just dies. We were on a good plane. Everything was running fine, and it just died like it ran out of fuel. But, you know, I checked everything, checked everything I could, pushed up on an oyster bar, and we were dead in the water. (laughs) I didn't have anybody's phone number because my phone was in the blind. So I ended up calling myself and letting them know what was up. And then, um, you know, there's an oyster, local oyster guy, like, right by me. So I was like, hey, man, I'm broke down. He's like, yeah, I'll come back and make sure you're out by uh, noon, but I'm doing my thing. I was like, yeah, I just go after myself, I guess, whatever. You know? <laughs> Cause but you ready. got out. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, the, the adventure continues. We could not get this boat started. So it was still an outgoing tide, so things were at least getting shallower. But I ended up running from Oyster Bar Point to Oyster Bar Point, swimming a couple channels, towing my boat with the tide around my waist, and flooding my damn waders. And we finally pulled from, like, we connected three or four islands by oyster bars and only had to swim, like, maybe 10 or 15% of it, but pulled the boat all the way back to where we started. And I said, screw it. I guess we're just going to finish out the hunt here. So we shot three or four more mergs, and, uh, you know, the winds were whipping. And I guess the boat dried out. We, we'd, we'd put out a, a post for rescue. 
one guy was coming, but he was coming in like a 1432 with a long tail. And he got out the, the mouth of the, the ramp and started taking waves and turned around. He's like, you guys are on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. So we waited like another four hours. And I don't know what it was. Sid thinks it was something electrical, but he's like, must have dried off. And uh, it, we fired it up and limped back in. And I've run it since then, and it was fine. So who knows? It's a mystery. Might have had water in the fuel line just had to work its way up. You would think, but uh, you know, it, I've run the rest of that tank out and it was fine. I think just something in the electricals got all screwy, you know, because it has all them wires just hanging off the side of the mud motors, and I think it got, huh. you know, in there corroded or something. I don't know, but yeah, Ionox didn't save the day on that one. But uh, no, man, it's like you know, I met all of these folks, all these hunt opportunities opened up, all these new friends, and the guy I went hunting with lives in South Florida by an SDA. So you know, you make the connects, and just by asking people to get in my boat, you know, it's like we're at the boat ramp. He's putting this twelve thirty-two in the water. The thing has the gauge of a screen door on it. I mean, you could flick this thing. It was like roof tin, and I was like, "You're hunting out of that? Yeah, I just got out of the boat." I was like, "Get, get in the boat, get in the boat." So uh, we ended up uh, hunting Jim's boat that day. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, uh, made a hunt the next day in the saltwater, and they thought it was great, and then went back the next day, and I traded out one buddy for another, and uh, he did the same, and, and uh, we still had a pretty good hunt, man. I mean, it was a rough end of the season, but nobody ever remembers, uh, nobody ever says, hey, you remember that time everything went perfect? You know? Yeah. But duck hunting does have a way, at least it got his hooks in me. Um, I've always liked wing shooting and I, I love shotguns, you know, I've been hunting my whole life, but really duck hunting, really actually meeting you and Jordan helped a lot. Right. But, and then Briar, I got to, you know, I wish he was here tonight cause Briar's the guy that's finally like, come on me, we're going to get some ducks. But man, I don't know. Um, it, there's just something, something about the whole thing. Like, you, you mean, you're up at these ungodly early hours man you're living on gas station food and coffee and mm. you know but to do it right you're getting out early and uh, I, I think it, i think it's so crazy i think one of the things i love about duck hunting is you're in you are totally in your own world like your mm. time's off on everybody <laughs> nobody it's like you're doing what like yeah um i mean I, it's, this is a side story you t- I talked about I'm, I'm i'm the president of the house corps for my son's fraternity and uh you know those guys are up at three and four o'clock in the morning but they're going to bed but they don't think anything about sending somebody a text at four o'clock in the morning with some idea they got and they're all of a sudden like they're shocked that i'm replying back to like what the hell are you doing awake and i'm like, getting ready to go kill ducks right yeah. and they're like what <laughs> you know but I-, I love it the the early mornings you get out there you get all set up and then you have you know, usually an hour before the sun comes up and some guys like to cook. You know, we usually bullshit, meditate a little bit. But you know how it is, man. All of a sudden you get a little pink in the sky and some of the best sunrises. And the marsh. And uh man I call it when the you golden start, hour. When you start seeing those early circles and you know it's gonna be a banger, it's it's bittersweet sometimes. You know, it's oh, like when God, it yeah. when it's 645 legal shooting light and you got 12 in the boat and it's like 705 it ain't even full sunlight yet oh yeah that's awesome that's the thing when they when they buzz you but when they when those ducks do that one circle and they come around in that second loop and you just see them lock up in the decoys 
I don't know, man. It's uh, it is amazing. I used to say quail hunting was my favorite, and I still I love, love quail, quail hunting. hunting. I do quail I, running away, man. Ducks coming in. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I mean, quail is always an easy going away shot, but uh, man, ducks they they always change it up. Um, you know, they they hunt smarter than than quail do. Quail, you know, they cover you up and then they flush, and it's pretty much the same everywhere you go. Uh, but ducks they they hunt smart. They get pressured um you know I, and i've hunted wild quail which is a whole different bag than hunting a plantation because you know it's it's a not hunt, even close it's an open secret and if you hunt plantations and haven't been told yet they put those birds in the field i've put the birds in <laughs> yeah, the field I mean, you you can you literally when they go and mm-hmm. buy the birds they buy them by speed yeah, yeah, like I've, I, so I've, I've walked into a quail house at three in the morning, and you sit there and make yourself big and shuffle your feet, and all the quail run to the other end, and they run out a little door into a quail box. Yeah, yeah. and you drop, you drop the lid, and then we go out and grab them three and four at a time, put them in a pillowcase, swing the pillowcase around in a circle so they get dizzy, and then we dump them out next to a palmetto head, and they kind of walk around in circles all disoriented. <laughs> Covey up and uh and you can almost walk patch to patch. I, I used to have a friend who guided quail hunting. So at the end of the year, I was a cowboy at the time, and there was a quail hunt place on our ranch. And at the end of the year, we'd get to have an employee hunt where we cleaned out the birds from the end of the season. <laughs> so we'd go out there, we'd put our own birds out, wait till the sun to come up, and then go back out and hunt the birds. When they're more or less where you put them, you know. But it was a good time. Um, and I've been to a different place in Georgia called Lorac Plantation and they put out birds at the beginning of the season and that's it you can't shoot any more than two from a covey because they're trying to keep some covey integrity together so they'll bunch back up and and replant themselves somewhere else and i mean those birds were flushing when we stepped out of the truck yeah i was gonna say the ones that the 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 farm birds that don't get picked off during a during a because my buddy owns uh, roman hammis he's been on the show he's got a piece of uh the, a quail plantation up in McClenny. You, those birds made it two weeks because everything likes to eat quail, mm-hmm. right? Those suckers get quick. They get, mm-hmm. they get wise quick, man. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they are wild birds in two weeks. There is an outsized number of hawks in a quail field because they you, know where the meal is. You want to talk about an easy hunt though. And we got to get up. We, we, sh- we, we missed it this year. We, we need to get you up next year, go up to uh Pony Woods hunting lodge and do their, pheasant tower shoot <laughs> i just i mean i'll go to the dakotas and shoot a pheasant if i want to shoot a pheasant uh yeah but you it, don't understand it ain't hunting the, but it's, it's fun not as hell. but this place is not it, uh, it's a it's a rich boy skeet shoot but it, i heard it's, it's a good well time. now now that the, their tower church. shoot their tower shoot all goes to uh it, there's a local private school that puts it on as their fundraiser so oh, right, instead of right. selling okay. chocolate like yeah. yeah buddy i'm there hey this okay? is way better yeah. yeah you keep your chocolate i'm gonna go shoot pheasants yeah i mean, uh, I mean but, we uh, got outfitters here that do tower shoots uh grace and patrick at central florida trophy hunt yeah uh, but do any but do any of them do you do you need to bring like your lab to get pheasants out of the pond Oh, uh, you can because you'll you can need them at, at Piney Woods. No, you, you're gonna need them to get them out of the water because they're so they have this giant pond and there's a tower out there and you're working your way around it mm-hmm. as he's going. And I watched two two pheasants was it two or more two Just commit suicide into into a pine tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, or, or or pheasants that would fly up and then try to like settle in the wispy branches of a tree and couldn't <laughs> and really figure it out. Ground. Yeah, yeah fall over and get shot at somebody's feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Uh, 
you'll shoot birds because they're flying over the pond. Unless they go straight back out of the tower into the pines, they have to come over the pond. So you're it, some of the stations you're standing on the bank of the pond by a hay bale. Mm-hmm. Your birds are going to land in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't it's, of, it's of not hunting before. <laughs> but Vince, you know, don't I don't know, man. We're here sitting here threatening you with a good time, and you're like, no, no, no. It's fun. I mean, I'll do it's it. not. It's, it's not hunting, by any means, but then, it's a dang blast. I mean, I, I, shoot, end, I shoot skeet, and it's not hunting, and I still have a good time. Every, so all the guys show up, and they just take the breasts. Listen, oh, more gun, and more he's fun. Got, he's got some some south of border fellows cleaning these things, and they all take the legs. <clears> English is definitely out. a second language. No. Now they're on the in the gut bucket. We go walk in there. We're gonna take some legs, and they're like, okay, and they clean like two or three, like ah, and we're like, oh no. We're taking them all. Right? Just, <laughs> they were like, once they the realized carcass. that we were serious, they were like, holy cow. But we brought home a punch of meat. It was yeah. good. It was nice, good meat, nice. man. Yeah. And then they serve, you know, barbecue afterwards or whatever else. But Yeah, you know, barbecue after you go quail hunting, pheasant hunting. Well, you eat the barbecue while they're while they're cleaning your birds for you. Yeah. yeah. I'll, eat, I'll throw them dang but they, things uh, on the barbecue. They also, <laughs> they also, uh, giving away guns and all kinds of stuff like it's that. An so. it's, a, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's an event. It's oh yeah, it's a whole it's, whole it's, deal. it's a good time and it's in God's country. Hey man, I'm I'm down. I'm you go down. get some gumbo or whatever to I'm local down. shack. Right right outside but, of you uh, know, uh, it's good roadie. It doesn't have quite the amount of punishment that I require to suffice. Uh you know, and, and that's why duck hunting is fun. I mean it's a punishing sport. You know, the conditions are terrible and the company is good. You know, uh, yeah, that is whenever true. it's raining, I'm like, man, my wife's like, it's awful out there. And it's like 40 degrees. I'm like, looks ducky to me. Yeah. You know, and I'm just glad days. it's not snow. Thank God we hunt ducks in Florida because if it was snow, I might have something to say about it. But, you know, no, I mean, you get on out there on those misty days and the cloud covers low and they fly a little later. But, you know, the ducks are they're there for it. And yep. the hunters are not, which is nice, because I was just talking to somebody today who was a big duck hunter. And he's like, man, the the amount of people, it just gets hard to want to contest with. And I'm like, man, but the hunting in Florida, you know, for as much crap as it gets, is actually pretty good. I mean, you can get like 20 species in Florida. I mean, there's there's a lot. And you never know what you can get because stuff gets lost all the time and ends up in our flyways for some reason. Mandarin ducks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like every year there's a lost cinnamon teal somewhere. Yeah. And one year that's going to be me. One year I'm going to smoke that cinnamon teal. I actually uh, collect those little jet brunette uh, mini decoys, 10 scale mini decoys, and I had it modeled and I knocked it off my shelf and it broke. So then I got mad and got on eBay and started anger buying little mini jet brunette decoys to try to replace it, but I couldn't find my model. So I bought a cinnamon teal because it's like my favorite duck. I want one of these things. I've shot a model. I've never shot a cinnamon teal before. So I, I, It's a West it, Coast bird, man. I know, mm. but every once in a while. Look, I've seen one. It's probably residential, but it ain't caged. And it was hanging out at, what was it? Uh, it was Bush Gardens, Tampa. No, no, no. There I was in SeaWorld in Orlando. Yeah. And it was swimming around in a, in like one of the little like decorative ponds. Not even like a retention, big decorative. Like I could reach out and throw a rock at this thing. I was like, holy crap, there's a cinnamon teal. My wife's like, who cares? I'm like, man, that thing. I was like, you don't understand. I was like, that is like the duck I want. I want one of every teal. And I've only got mostly blue wings at yeah, this point. Yeah, they're the prettiest there, ones. There is a well-known bird cinnamon teal that migrates into Merritt Island every year, but yeah. never makes its way over to... Well, he stays on the north side. Right. Where he never makes shot. it all the way He's down. He's smarter. And he, I mean, he migrates every year. He comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few out there. One, Look, that duck got to be right every time. I only got to be right once. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> just one day he's gonna be, get caught lacking and be like oh that hydrilla looks bam gotcha what's you know, fun about all this you know you talked about earlier about farm raised birds and quail and you know if you kind of go back into the history of ducks unlimited i think we all know that because of market hunting forces they had largely depleted yeah depleted almost everything and mm-hmm. and then you get into there like when when all this was founded like back in the 1930s there was also terrible drought and things like that, which is tough for ducks. So the, the amount they'd already depleted the ducks and then it was even worse. Um, but in fact, it was so bad. Like in, in, um, in 1934, they create the duck stamp, right? Hey, we yep. gotta, we gotta do something. But things were so bad in 1935 that at the American game conference, which was a big deal, like in you know, New York and big East coast cities, they actually talked about, like stopping the duck hunt to try to let the species come back together. Right. Um, but there were some enterprising young guys that had already created something called more game birds in America. You know, some guys were hunters and they, they realized what the problem was. They opted not to stop the duck hunt. Thank God. But they knew that something needed to be done and kind of going back to the, the farmed bird, thing is they knew that everything had been decimated in Europe yet there was plenty of hunting but the reason there was plenty of hunting was through animal husbandry they took birds and foxes and whatever else they raised them up in a cage and let them go and they thought that you know if worse comes to worse that's got to be they could do that but they knew there had to be something better so what it kind of boiled down to is they said well what if what if we restore places and make optimal places for the birds to breed, and we create more areas for birds to naturally reproduce, eventually we'll have more birds. So if you're kind of following that, 1934, they create the duck stamp, which is probably, I don't think there's anything that's ever generated more money for wildlife outside the Pittman-Robertson Act, right? Right. And then in 1937, in uh, January 29, 1937, uh, they bring forth Ducks Unlimited. And, you know, I didn't know this until I got to be part of Ducks Unlimited, but they are the juggernaut. Yeah. 15 oh, million yeah. acres uh, of land conserved. 15 million acres. Go plug that in, man. That's like the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you take a look at how much money that they do raise for conservation, there, there's no second place. And I'm, that's not a knock against... Rocky Mountain Elk or, or National Wild Turkey Federation, which I'm also or a member Delta in support. I don't know. I'm not trying. I'm just no, saying that. Holy just... crap, man. Those guys get it done so much. So like, it's kind of funny. I'm a Ducks Unlimited guy, but I'm actually talking like, cause I'm not like a real huge Ducks Unlimited guy. They raise so much money that they kind of, and, and they do it so well that the different municipal entities then throw in more money to Ducks Unlimited and help them get federal money. Oh, yeah. But Ducks Unlimited conservationists and biologists are driving the train on the restoration. That's almost entirely backwards from how government usually works. Right. It's usually like, give us the money and we'll go screw it up. Mm-hmm. Where, But the DU guys have gotten so good at it that, that they actually drive the train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having now been a volunteer for a couple of years, one of the knocks that we hear is like, well, they don't know anything in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not true, man. There's a $2.2 million project that they just did in South Florida with, um, it's called the Wetlands 5 Project. 
they just entered into a big partnership with Florida Cattlemen to start working with Cattlemen. It is, and Whitetail will be at the San Marco Cattlemen's <laughs> event so every year. So yeah, and then uh, locally, like right here, kind of our backyard, um, we actually had a guest on this podcast who was kind of ragging Ducks Unlimited because oh, you know, the dike over in Peacock Pocket. Well, guess who fixed the dike in Peacock Pocket, right? I mean, so they are doing work here, you know, on a national level. And I know they spent a gazillion dollars or so not too long ago up in North Florida. They do do a lot of work down here. And uh, People don't want to feel like they've been had if they're donating to any kind of an organization. So the gripe is always that they don't do enough for Florida, and which isn't true. But, you know, additionally, it's a migratory species. The birds have to come from somewhere. So, yeah, they're going to focus on getting duck numbers up where ducks breed. So a lot of money goes to prairie pothole. But they do do a lot of conservation in Florida. And despite all of that, if you're asking me if I want to be involved in an organization of like-minded people who love the same thing I do, but they don't spend money here, like, I'm going to show up just for the company. If you want to get into duck hunting and you don't know anything about duck hunting, there's a dearth of knowledge inside DU chapters. You know, regardless of all the money spending politics and stuff like that, you're going to meet people who have a passion to continue their sport on. And, uh, you know, that that doesn't happen without recruitment. And the thing is, is, you know, uh, to in order to do all of this kind of uh, wetlands management and stuff like that, you know, you have to care if people don't care about the wetlands we don't duck hunt if the wetlands aren't used if you follow the uh who's the outdoor people and they're mostly nature watchers uh they're they're a group of them you know and if they they basically want nature to be you watched. talking about the audubon not the Audubon. Audubon's all right, I guess. Sierra Club? That's them. That's a political organization. Not even a conservation exactly. group. Exactly. Kid and you not. They're not a 501c3. They're a 501c4. They're a political organization. Right. And, and in their ideal you know, world, we would keep wildlife and we wouldn't interfere with it. But then it becomes removed from the people. It becomes removed from the people who fund the conservation. Why do you care about something that you don't see? You're not allowed to touch, don't look at it, don't even breathe on it. That's why hunters are responsible for a majority of the conservation dollars. Because I promise you, wetlands means more to me in Florida than any other thing, you know, outside of my my family and my personal life. Like, I have a deep burning passion for wet, soggy grounds and the places where ducks live. And, uh, you know, and just the people who also appreciate that. So show up to a duck meeting. So I I want to... speak on a, a point from like people in the state of Florida say that Ducks Unlimited doesn't do enough for here, right? Yeah. And I can understand uh, from the point of view, like if you look at uh, when I lived in Tennessee, we had a wildlife management area near us called Haynes Creek. Mm-hmm. And Haynes Creek uh, was put together by the state of Tennessee and Ducks Unlimited. Mm-hmm. You could go deer hunting there, mm-hmm. but the majority of Haynes Creek was on the Altamaha River and there were impoundments where they would go and plant corn every year in the summertime. You look, man, look at them cornfields. Man, they're going to get a good corn harvest. No, they're not. They're about to flood that sucker as soon as duck season comes around. And there were blinds all around that. Hey, and that was that. Yeah, dude. Hey, in Tennessee, though, you like you would draw a deer hunt down here, you draw blinds. Mm-hmm. 
Real Foot Lake, Haynes Creek, a lot of places like that, you draw a duck blind and you get it for hunts or for the year or whatever. I'm not sure exactly how that works. I wasn't big into duck hunting when I was there. But you don't see a lot of that here. Well, the thing is, is we don't, that that's not the type of conservation we need here in Florida. No, we have yeah. way too many and, hunters to be calling dibs on spots. Right. Well, but the same thing is, mm. it, it, I, I disagree with you on that. 100% disagree with you. There is no, there ain't no way there's more duck hunters in Florida than there is in the state of Tennessee. No. It's a place like Real Foot Lake. 100% can't happen. The thing is. Yeah, but we're more concentrated here, I think. Is yeah. The issue. Well, it's because mm. there's fewer places the ducks so, go. Exactly. But if you but, if you want to do conservation in Florida, I'm sorry I'll let you go. If you really want to improve the number of ducks are in Florida, you can pretty much say build wood duck boxes and then build those big cir- cir- circular boxes for model ducks. Hen, hen houses. Hen houses. Yeah. You got to. So, it. well, uh, but what you're what you're you're looking at it the wrong way as as a duck hunter in Florida. You're you're looking at this going, well, why hasn't Ducks Unlimited made my hunting spot better? Right. Well, Ducks Unlimited has made your hunting spot better by improving the breeding ground in New York and uh, South Canada and things like that so that there are more ducks migrating south to your hunting spot right, right. versus uh, digging a hole, planting corn, and putting duck blinds around Because think about this. L- l- perfect example. We use Emeralda Marsh as an example. Let's take Emerald and Marsh and uh, let's dig it all out. We'll plant corn and then we'll put up, uh, I don't know, 20 blinds per thing. Now, guess what? No, 90% of the people that hunt in there can't hunt there no more. Yeah. Because you got to draw the blind. That's what I was saying. Oh, man, you'd be way more upset about that. I'd be way now, more upset about right. that. That's what I was saying. Like, look, but it, it, instead, they, they take the money mm-hmm. and they improve the fact that more ducks now migrate south because you had a better hatch, because we made better breeding ground. So it's. And it's it's uh, your ducks unlimited in the state of Florida for the most part is playing the long game, right? And you you can't look at what's right in front of you. You need to look at what's going on here so that it gets better here. Mm-hmm. And right. it's not going to always be immediate. Uh, well, that no, I agree. Improvement. Well, Having, I let me hold on. I, I just got back, so I went up for snow geese. But yeah, I just drove. I mean, I drove all through northern Louisiana. Southern Arkansas, Mississippi, spent tons of time in the Delta. And when you drive through those areas and you you look at the amount of ag, the amount of flooded ag, the amount of rice, the amount of corn, sorghum, everything, and just the sheer volume of absolutely gorgeous duck habitat. And then you compare that to what is on the East Coast. And it's not because we've all developed it and things like that. I'm just telling you, man, compared to the Mississippi, the humongous system that makes up the Ohio, the, the Missouri, the Mississippi River Basin, you just can't touch it. It's like, I don't care if, they, if Ducks Unlimited spent the next century spending all of its money on the Eastern Flyway, the central flyway would still kick its ass. <laughs> right. oh, like yeah. you just, mean, it's not, just not going to happen. Well, they right? got the breeding so, ground north of it. It's I just, mean, it's the carotid artery of water, fresh water that runs through America. Like you, you can't beat that thing. Yeah, there's just, and so, and and I and I think, I understand the frustration, but I think I, that I, all I it, it takes is like go out there, take a look at what you're dealing with, and realize that, um, you know, it's like. Why 
you can understand why, why you know, it's, it's great that they, I, I love, and I hope they do more here, but you can definitely understand why the most appropriate use of the money really is in places like that you know it's just oh, 100%. You percent you're you're getting their they're getting their most the most bang for their buck by spending it there yeah 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 and absolutely. no matter what ducks unlimited does here in the state of florida no matter how many millions billions trillions of dollars they spend you're not going to go out there and shoot a for a, 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 the the limit of mallards is not going to increase you're not going to go out there. It's not going to. You're not going to turn Florida into Arkansas. It's not going to happen. No. Well, I mean, you know, I guess kind of while we're on it, like if you stay duck hunting for any time, traveling, like you know, the turkey people already know the deal. They start in Florida and they want to slam, and they they plan on traveling to hunt. Uh, and if you stay hunting for any amount of time in ducks, eventually you do kind of want to leave and spread your wings out a little bit and get around. It doesn't matter what you walk hunt. You around, gotta leave yeah. and, and, and go. I mean, the world's else. getting smaller fast. You know, I have a vehicle. I can be in Arkansas in 17 hours, you know, and that, that ain't a thing for me to have probably one of the best hunts of my season. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, yeah, I got to work a little harder down here, but, uh, I went up on a, uh, a social media hunt for on the deck outfitters. And, I mean, we shot speckle bellies, which was an opportunity I'd never had before and was offered to me uh, from a friend who has a much better social media presence than I do. Um, but, you know, the boys up there, I mean, they, they schwack it. They do it through duck season. They're big goose hunters. They do ducks too. But, I mean, they're, they're uh, you know, we're starting kind of, I guess, like a small relationship with them in a way that, you know, I'll probably go up there every year. And uh, I went up there for that spec hunt at the beginning of the year, and then Jim went up and just did a snow goose conservation hunt and just had a great time. And, uh, you know, we talked to the, the owners and, and one of the 76 guys there. geese in two hours, good yeah, time. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, was really genuinely concerned I broke my shotgun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me I cleaned my gun the night before mm-hmm. and threw so many shells through it that toward the end of the hunt, it was starting to jam this Benelli because of the grit and grime from all the shells that were outbound. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Seven boxes. Yeah, like, use better lubricant. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> I should have used more oil. Dusty no, you gotta use, a, gotta use a better one. Is yeah. one of the owners, and he's like one of the most gracious dudes you ever meet. And Stacy Coker up there is their their bad Santa head guide, uh, and I think he's a little bit of an equity partner as well, but. I mean, just one of the funnest dudes you can be in the blind with. This dude is an absolute riot. I mean, he's R-rated, but I don't hunt with people who aren't, you know, and uh, he's just a great time, absolute expert on goose. And uh, I was up there, and I, a buddy of mine, I, I call him buddy now, Chris Carmack is one of their guides, and he's just hammering on calls and was like one of the funnest dudes I've ever sat next to during a hunt. And uh, He's pretty intense about it. Yeah, Chris it, Chris is a great dude. He's 82nd Airborne vet. My dad was 82nd. I'm I'm a Marine, so of course all the crayon eating jokes came out, and uh, you know we had a pretty good time bonding over our military service, but mostly over how much we love just to kill things that are in the air. And uh, you know it was it was a great time, and uh, you know fortunately they offered us to be able to raffle some of their hunts uh, coming up there. I think we got a spec hunt and we got a snow geese conservation hunt. And they have a reserve on them, and they're worth every bit of it. You know, I've already said if it doesn't meet reserve, I will buy it and throw Ducks Unlimited $300 on top just to take the hunt. But they're going to go up for live auction at at the banquet that we're still putting on May 11th now. And, uh, man, if you just show up just a bit on those hunts, uh, it's worth holding out for. They're 
absolutely an amazing outfitter and i will go there every single year if it's in inside my power to do it so yeah they uh they've got a nice lodge the food is good the people are the best the guides yeah they and you know i've been on a bunch and they um those those guides are, are hard working man and they and they will they will scout incredible distances because when we went up there the geese had already a lot of them had already moved north so but this this is not typical of an outfitter we we drove we drove an hour and a half on that day to get to the fields where we shot the seventy six geese in two hours. Um, most guides don't have that range. No, I mean they have pretty impressive landowner relationships for I think it's probably close to like twenty thousand acres at this point. Uh, they've been building that guide outfit for for a long time. They really are. A, a pretty elite service and what they're able to offer because they can stretch out like that if they need to. Um, and that's, you know, we're talking Florida ducks, but you know, I mean, I would love to make it an annual hunt for our DU that like, Hey, this is going to go up the bid and we're going to bid hard on it because it's going to be a freaking party and an absolute slave fest when we show yeah. up. And for those of you that think that you might go up and freelance geese, Good luck. Yeah, I mean, all those <laughs> because, properties are locked down. You ain't gonna. Well, not only off. that. I mean, you might be able to road jump a few, but the idea that you're gonna go out and freelance that, like, well, go ahead, man, go lay out the fifteen thousand dollars in decoys it's gonna take. To oh try my god, to, yeah. Because there's so many of them. You guys like, think we mm, could start a decoy rental service? Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> we man. were out there probably. Jeez, we we never hunted under le- oh, under less than a thousand decoys, and we were having real trouble once the real birds started showing up mm-hmm. because it's hard to beat live birds. And I'm talking, we had a thousand decoys plus tons of aerials and everything else. It's just it, it takes that many, man. The, the, and, and those snow geese are hunted so hard. That they'll come in and they'll hover right over you in the wind and they're just too damn high. And then you hopefully get just a couple to break off and those two might come in. You have to let them come to the deeks to hopefully get a couple more come in. But it's not like haunting honkers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these things, it's it's shocking. And, you know, it ain't, it ain't like maybe it was at one point where I'm sure 20 years ago that you just smashed them all the time. It's, you ain't freelancing snowies. You think, you, you think we could... We, we could almost invent maybe a anti-aircraft style shell for a shotgun where you get a little like a slug get a little further like like flack and it <laughs> blows up i don't know <laughs> there, I, I tell you the closest thing we got to that is that boss war chief we were shooting on that social media hunt god dang talk yeah. about a great shell i mean pricey but uh you know they're like well you know it, they're more lethal and it'll save you money in the long run. And I was like, yeah, yeah, BS, whatever. I shoot Remington, you know, X speed, you know, cheap 20 boxes, whatever. I kill more ducks with that, whatever, whatever. And then I got back here and I was shooting ringers again back on my X speed stuff. God, I was putting five shells on those ringers after they hit the water. I was like, die already. What the heck? Three, you five know? war chief. Three inch. Oh my God. Yes. Now That's my brand. It, it, it's copper coated bismuth and you can shoot it through your old guns. We had Bayou beast out there on the hunt with us. He's, he's a, uh, uh, like an old, we've had him on the hunt. podcast before, mm, man. That guy is just stuck in the wrong decade and we, uh, we actually wrong century, and, yeah. but super cool. He was shooting out Remington 18 or Winchester, 1892 is a, is a trench gun. They use mm-hmm. in world war one and you can only put lead through those guns. So he has to hunt the bismuth because you can shoot bismuth through those old guns that have the built-in chokes that you can't shoot through steel through because you get too much barrel pressure on them hundred-year-old shotguns. 
And, uh, man, he, he had a, a, a ride out there with them. And now Boss even makes, you know, I'm, I'm totally not even sponsored by Boss. They just make such a good damn product. Uh, they, they make a damn cardboard throwback shell. Yeah. That you can hunt in your old guns. I mean, just for the hell of it. But. You know, we had him on, um, I want to say our first season in the outdoors of a bygone era season. When I actually did the podcast with him, I had COVID and so did my dad. And so it was me and my dad together in one spot. Jordan was remote. And so, I mean, he's in Louisiana, mm-hmm. so he was as well. Um, but I don't know, maybe we need to, maybe we need to run that season, run that to, Run that series back and do it again. That was, just call that was him a, up and have him back, huh? Well, I mean, just that series in and of itself was still, even to this day, four or five, you know, seasons into this. That that series was probably my favorite series we ever did, where we went back and we talked to guys like you know Bayou Beast Game Calls and um, talked to. Uh, can't remember the gentleman's name. The retired game warden was how we finished it out uh, from the state of Florida and. Dude, it was just a great series, and I would encourage you now to even jump back and listen to that. It was a four or five episode series we did. We talked to dog hunters, uh, an old dog hunter, like back before when CB radio was all they had, before they had uh, telemetry collars, and uh, and he was running. He'd been running dogs up in Ocala since then. So you had that guy, and then you had you know old traditional bow hunter the duck hunter the game warden i mean it was all there and it and we talked to a old oh man captain Seward. the old trout fisherman yeah 80 something four years old still guiding trips out of mm-hmm. and that's this was a couple of years ago so I, he didn't even God, start guiding he was 70 or something but yeah he, yeah he used to work for the utility company i think and he'd go to fish before work but that he was, was a commercial fisherman with a rod and reel dragging yeah. him in out of tampa bay dang yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, old Captain Bob, Seward, that was his name. Yeah. Bio Beast, Beast uh, you know, I forget his actual name. I think it's Dale. Uh, uh, he makes them old school king calls. Dale Borderline. Yeah, Borderline. That's right. And I was, I was, we was hunting next to, I was hunting next to between Chris Carmack and his son Hunter, who's an absolute riot. So me, Chris, and Hunter were closing down the lodge every night. I mean, we'd be up at two in the morning and up at 4 30 to get back going towards the blind. And it was, I mean, they were just a good time. You know, that's the kind of hunt that I like to have, you know. But uh, other people, you know, in bed at 9 o'clock, and I'm still young enough. That's the kind of like, that's the kind of hunt that I like to have. Well, I'm still young enough to to have fun while I can, so I try to when I can because I don't do it often, but when I do it, I do it, man. But uh, I was like, man, you must be a great caller too, you know. And he's like, no, I don't really do a lot of calling. And I was like, why's that? And he's like, well, you go hunting with, or you go fishing with the Bassmaster. You pick the color worm. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I was like, that's a good point, damn. <laughs> yeah, he's an EMT out there in Louisiana, but man, they they crack me up there. I'll be like, yeah, talk about coots or something, and he's like, poodoo. I'm like, what? He's like, we call Poo-doo, that yeah. poodoo. Like, <laughs> I was Bait like, I love the that. Shit out of him, I, man. I, you know, I dated a girl in high school who was from Louisiana. I was like, I'm going. Uh, crappie fish speck fishing you know and she's like what is that so i show her one that i caught and she's like that's a sacale yeah i was like lay what's a sacale milk sack yeah i so i was like all right Corey. they got a different name for everything out there in french florida man they got their whole thing going well you hear what he called it french, french florida, florida. Yeah, yeah. my man that's right yeah <laughs> I, I said look when this state's done turned into the villages i'll probably pull up shop and head to louisiana or arkansas so 
But, uh, you know, hey, we'll keep it going as long as we can. That's what Ducks Unlimited is for. Show up. Show out. You know. So, uh, if you guys, you got tickets on sale already for that event? For the for the yeah. Uh, dinner? Yeah, we will. Okay. So, let's make sure that I get a ticket link and I'll post that in the podcast description so that you guys can grab tickets to mm-hmm. the uh, DU Banquet for the Villages chapter. Man, it makes a real fun alley-oop to coming from the, uh, doing the mud bug bash and then doing the, the DU in, in short sequence. It, it lets the good times roll. You know, you could even squeeze in there in between and to roll the the canoe trip in there with it, like you're gonna do. You're yeah, gonna, you're gonna do the mud bug bash, then the, the Swanee trip. River trip, and then the oh, that's gonna be right you make, too, You're so. gonna have a, a roll in a few weeks there. Yeah, yeah, and my God bless my wife. She hung in there for. I got my boat back maybe four weeks before the season ended from Sid, and uh, I hunted two a days for four straight weeks. So I was up at one in the morning out to the boat ramp by 4, back by around 11, and then I'd take a nap till about 2.30, and then back to the boat ramp at 4 p.m. to hunt till sun down, and then back at the house, back into bed, and I did that really screwed up uh, schedule for four straight weeks. And uh, she's like, oh, please tell me gator season's not soon. I was like, no, it's not for a while. But, uh, <laughs> I was like, but turkey. But, uh, yeah, I, I, anyways, it just, it's, uh, man, yeah, it, but it's turkey a season, you ain't got to be up that early. Mm. You can be not if you Not duck hunting but... early, but I, I no. still launch the boat. I go for turkey off the boat. Yeah, well, you not know what? Not in the boat, but I, I, I walk in. You know what, Vince? I'm I'm glad you into the into the birds, the avian species, and, and the alligators because you're giving off some real Cody DeQuisto vibes over there. And I know you probably have no idea who that is. No but idea. You you could almost be like a, a doppelganger for the man. Uh, I'll show you his picture in a minute, but he, and and I'll explain to you. But you know, man, you stay out of my deer woods. You, if you, you, if you, you come up with a sport that needs another boat, let me know because four ain't enough. And uh, my wife will tell you probably. Is. What wasn't he clean cut last time he was here? No, no, no. He was, I, I you, ain't shaved in two or three years. You did not have that beard last time you were. I do. Well, I finally got a barber who can do it right. So every once in a while, I would get to uh, Charles Charlie Daniels looking, and I'd have to start over. But. uh <laughs> Yeah, he, he keeps it at the length. I like it now, but uh, no, nah, man, it's it's the shoot. I got a I got an airboat, I got a mud boat, I got a bass boat, and I got a ginu. And I probably do seventy percent of everything I do out of that damn ginu. But the mud boat is clutch. But uh, yeah, man, come to DU, get in a boat. You know, I I hunted three new hunters this year and got all of them their first birds. You know, and they just thought it was That's good. Dude, we had a kid shoot a redhead. And you know, was, you know, in the middle of the state, I was like, well, dang, color me envious i wanted to shoot that bird (laughs) (laughs) it was his first bird i was like that's a hell of a first bird it was a big redhead hen i was like god dang that's a boss of the the pond right there you 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 probably stand to be one of the youngest du presidents in the state of florida maybe i I look younger than i am i'm 36 am i old yet (laughs) yeah so, but uh, especially for the villages area. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we're a newer chapter. I mean, I think we're six years old, but uh, I mean, we got a lot of a lot of conservation fights ahead of us in Sumter County. Uh, that's to be to be sure. To get more oh, serious size definitely. of DU, um, you know, if you want to see change, and you talk about DU's not doing enough for me, what are you doing for DU? Like, you need to show up to board of county commissioners meetings. And you need to be there because there are people who complain about us hunting and they will be at every single one because they are retired and they do not have a job. You know, so in in the spray, everybody loves to cry about spraying and nobody shows up to the spray meetings. Not a single one. 
If you ain't going to be there, you need to send an email. And then, you know, and everybody will be the old man in the rocking chair 40 years from now crying about how when I was a kid, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And they didn't do nothing to stop or change anything. When it comes to conservation, when it comes to lawmaking, period, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You've got to show up and you got to show up in numbers. And, you know, you got to, I mean, duck hunting is a good part of the economy in, in some places. And you got to make it make sense to people and let them know that, you know, we spend money here. I mean, we spend a lot of money. A lot of these water management districts move around a lot around the bass fishermen because we are the largemouth bass capital of the country, you know. And we'll never, like we said, we'll never be, probably be the duck shooting capital of the country. But maybe, maybe for ringers. Yeah, maybe for <laughs> ringers. Man, let me tell you what. I like their little angular heads, too. People talk crap on ringers, but they, they eat pretty good, and their heads are cool. But, I mean, you got to show up and show out. You can't keep crying about uh, the work that you didn't put in. And duck hunting isn't a sport that forgives that. So, if you want to be a successful duck hunter, you got to put your work in. And if you want to be, you know, successful in conservation, you got to put your work in. I mean, wood ducks alone are a great, you know, case study in that there's a duck that was almost extinct and was brought back entirely by hunters putting out wood duck boxes. And we have wood duck boxes we care for. I mean, and we got to fluff them and do all that. And I think it's already been done this year. Nope, it ain't because I got all the fluff in my – we just ran out of time, man, and I've been traveling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, we need more hands on deck. I mean, like I said, we're a young chapter. We're a new chapter. But, I mean, that gives us a lot of room to put in new hunters. Uh, You know, if you ain't duck hunted yet and you want to be, even if you ain't a boater uh, and you're a one-upper, and you want to get in a boat, like, we need somebody standing on front decks, fluffing wood duck boxes, and those are the people that are going to be sitting in our boat when it's time to shoot ducks, you know. Don't be the Johnny-come-lately and ask why you can't jump in my boat when you ain't, you put the work in. Go ahead. Well, let's wrap it up. You guys got some closing thoughts? Um. Yeah, man, I would just say it's time to get involved you know we have a a lot of young membership that we need to fill in this chapter and to grow us you know a little bit bigger we're stuck you need the next generation yeah i mean you know and and, i mean young hunters for duck hunters are like 30 man you know and it's great when we can get them even younger but i mean if you show up and you're 30 we'll get you schooled up and you can take a kid next season you know and well uh, so look 30 is a great age to get into it because you if you don't especially if you don't have kids because you got the time and the money to spend yeah i was gonna say you're financially irresponsible enough to go out and buy yourself a boat. <laughs> right <laughs> um uh, well, it, it won't take long before you you decide that that's a half to spend but uh it, it's i don't know i, I if i say anything and like I, I know that we're not just here in florida you know and a lot of what we talked about pertains to our local du chapter here but they're they're nationwide. Oh yeah. Like don't you don't have to just contribute to ours, contribute to the one in your area because it's gonna help us here in Florida too when we go to travel, same as when we do it here. You wanna because you know, you think if you're going you're hunting that list, man, you gotta have the fulvus, you gotta have the black belly, mm-hmm. you gotta have the Modeled. the model duck. So mm-hmm. they're all they're all right here in Florida. Yeah, they are indeed. And you know, we got so many old timers crying about the llamas that are out on the marsh and stuff. And yeah, they're out there and yeah, they're kind of a pain <laughs> in the butt. And for those who don't know, there's llamas out there? Like that, physical, <clears throat> actual llamas? They look like them. That's the squatted truck driving. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Flat gotcha, bill gotcha. wearing youngins. The and, llama gang. 
Yeah, the Llama Gang. And, you know, the, the thing is, is, like, those kids are coming in like I did. Now, I came in, and when I came in, it was like, oh, you know, uh, Duck's, uh, Duck Dynasty. The old Duck Dynasty. Uh, is, is causing all this hunting. And so there's a ton of hate for new hunters there, too. And it, the thing is, is, like, at this point, just like we're one generation removed from the farm, a lot of people are one generation removed from the woods, and they want to yeah. get back. So you can't complain about the llamas having no manners and not knowing what to do. Grab a few of them and teach them. You know, show them etiquette, you know, and, and show them somebody's, how to get birds. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? They're great kids for the most part. They're just looking for a mentor. They're just being the same thing we were at 18, you know, rebel without a cause, man. So pick one up, give them a cause. Jim? Oh, man, Vince did a pretty good job. You know, I was going to say maybe you know, if you – we do need folks to buy tables and tables, you know, they got some bucks to them. You can split one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I think the reason people don't buy tables is then they got to go fill them. And where I'm kind of going with this is a person does not need to be a duck hunter to have fun at a DU event. No, no they're right. Um, not if you're doing man, if they even $20, have, them $20 drink cups. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That'll, that'll take care of you. But, the food's good, plenty of libation. But um, you don't need fun to have al- alcohol. Wait a minute, I said that wrong. No, no, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, but if you have somebody that's even casually interested in hunting, take them to a DU event. They'll have a blast. You know, get a couple of hunts. I mean, certainly, like I said, there's some of the hunts that we're going to have there for people to be able to bid on. They can, they'll flatten the learning curve in a hurry. You can learn a lot with those guys. It's all, it's all transferable. We talked about that in the past, mm-hmm. man. I mean, some of the things you learn squirrel hunting are transferable to duck hunting or, or, or deer hunting. It just works that way. But take whoever you want and bring them out and let them hear the story. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, man. Well, Vince, I appreciate you joining us. We'll get a link to that uh, DU banquet right down here in the bottom of the uh, podcast description. And I'll even just throw in one for DU to become a member. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Because it's it's a nationwide thing, and just like we are, so yeah, you know, I'm probably the the least responsible person to make the president, but I'm also the most fun. So we're gonna have a really fun chapter here in a short amount of time. And with Jim, That's good stuff. Jim is my chaperone for at least the next year. At least you know we'll be in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. All right, later. As always, we thank you guys so much for being part of the Under Pressure Outdoors family and hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to help us out, first and foremost, if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and tell us what you like about the show. If you want exclusive access to hunts and the ins and outs of specific WMAs and why we choose to hunt there and a lot of other sweet stuff we have planned, join our Patreon. So far on the docket for this year, we'll be hosting two whitetail camps and two small game hunts at a minimum. Plus, you'll get a sweet discount code to save when you shop the UPO Nation website, as well as get early access and discounts on future events. It's 5 bucks a month, and it'll pretty much pay for itself. As always, if you have any questions you'd like answered on the show, reach out to us on social media or at underpressureoutdoors at gmail.com. We'll catch you guys next week.